Well, good evening, and welcome to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Good evening, Francis. Great to be back in the studio here with you. Good evening, Mark. It's great to have you back with me. Well, <laughs> I'm glad been, to have a conversation with you tonight. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, though. I understand that you had a couple of great weeks. I know you had Deacon Baldwin here, and you discussed uh, divine uh, um, mercy, mercy uh, celebration, St. Faustina, and so forth. Uh, and those were great shows, great insight, and, of course, the timing, I think, was perfect. Uh, a devotion, obviously, we can carry throughout the year. Absolutely. Um, let us begin in prayer. Uh, let me just say for our listening audience, we've got a couple of uh, very interesting things that we want to cover this evening, because this evening we're going to cover, as soon as we pray, a uh, list of... Um, some well-known and some perhaps not so well-known, Francis, Carmelite books that are both favorites of our individual libraries. And so we, have a lot of, we have a lot of books that we enjoy, <laughs> don't we? So this is an easy topic for us. Well, why don't you begin and lead us in prayer, if you would, please. Okay, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O divine wisdom, I offer you my intellect, avid for knowledge, that you may quench its thirst by enabling it to comprehend your grandeurs. Enlighten my darkness, and let me taste you in that very sweet knowledge which inflames my heart with love. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That prayer was from Venerable John of Jesus Mary. Oh, great. And what are you reading from there so our listeners know? That's an interesting collection I notice you have. Oh, one of my favorite books. It's on my (laughs) list. It's called Divine Intimacy, Meditations on the Interior Life for Every Day of the Liturgical Year. And this is the first book I want to talk about because there's so much in this book. It's such a great daily devotion. I use it myself, as many of our Carmelite brothers and sisters do. And, of course, it's not limited to Carmel. Uh, We'll talk about the author in just a moment so that our folks have some uh, understanding of it. But I did want to just cover a a couple of quick things. Uh, First of all, we... um, uh, had done the uh, two weeks on Divine Mercy, and uh, I apologize. I had to be away. Uh, missed being both with Francis and our guest, uh, Dr. Baldwin, uh, Deacon Baldwin, doctor as well. Yes. Um, and um, also, most especially, the listening audience. Uh, but gr- very happy to be back and looking forward to this program on uh, our favorite books. Certainly a small list, uh, Francis, we would both agree. We've each got half a dozen that we want to talk about. I don't know that we'll get through it all. Well, and of course, we're not going to be talking about some of the most uh, well-known ones. We're going to be trying right. to pull in a little variety, you know, spice, you know. Some of the more obscure ones, and in fairness, none of these, as I look across at the table and our stacks are individually in front of us, uh, none of these are those that we've talked about before. In other words, we've talked about a number of uh, books on this program, collections, the letters um, from St. John, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese. Uh, Therese. Yes, the three uh, biggies. <laughs> yeah, Brother Lawrence, uh, Elizabeth of the Trinity, and so forth. We've talked about bits and pieces uh, of their works. Uh, in, in, in the case of those, of course, uh, some of their more significant volumes. We're not going to talk about those this evening. We'll either talk about um, other books that have been written about these or, or uh, um, give some insight into the lives of these great saints or, like Divine Intimacy, um, that serve as a daily meditation, a daily reflection. Right. And, of course, the collected works of Teresa, Trez, and John are... 
tops on our list. Yeah, those are the with the Bible, ones. of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I think after uh, certainly uh, God's Word, we would rank those three collections of saints uh, among the preeminent. And certainly, as uh, as uh, relates the secular order, those are the ones we study most consistently, and it's where we draw the most fruit. I think it's fair to say that. But there is so much great literature in Carmel. I mean, let alone the wealth of literature the church has. Uh, in, in so many areas, in prayer, in the liturgy, in history, and so forth. But in Carmel alone, there is so much great literature that we did want to take some opportunity, and I suspect, Francis, we'll do this again. Yes. Um, and, and give folks some insight into some of the other works, uh, either by Carmelites or about Carmelites. And I also want to take a moment, Francis, to invite our listeners, as I did just a moment ago, uh, both to participate in our conversation, if they have favorite titles that they'd like to share with us, and also share uh, with us online on, on the website that we have, uh, both your favorite texts and maybe even if you have a favorite a saint or a specific topic that you want to talk about. Now, Francis, I understand that you got an email uh, this past week, and I'd like to have you go ahead and share that with our readers, if you would, because it sort of emphasizes the point I've just raised. Well, actually, this was a post on our Facebook account, which is Carmelite Conversations. So if you want to find us on Facebook, put in Carmelite Conversations and you'll find us. This is from Larry Betson. So thank you, Larry, for writing in on our Facebook. And he says he loves our broadcast. Thank you. And he says, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, too. Um, he says he really enjoyed your broadcast on the devotion to the Holy Face, which, by the way, we'll go ahead. On, no, we'll pick up on a moment, but uh, we will be revisiting uh, the series on the Holy Face. Quite frankly, we wanted to continue some of our research. Uh, I was able to acquire a couple of texts that I wanted to, so we will be picking up on that. I'll say more about that in a moment. Okay, so uh, I'm glad you really enjoyed that devotion to the Holy Face program, and we will pick up with more programs on that. And you say that you'd like to hear a broadcast about some of the lesser-known Carmelite saints. And I like these two. It's Blessed Miriam, St. Teresa of the Andes, oh, an excellent one for our youth, uh, Blessed Titus Bransma, St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. Ah, yes. And so you get the idea. And have a wonderful evening, yours in Carmel. So thank you, Larry, for writing into us. We really appreciate when people take the time and the effort to let us know what's on your minds and your hearts and participating in this Carmelite conversation, either via the written word or the uh, radio waves. And, you know, tonight we'll have to watch out because we've got storms coming into the Dayton, Ohio area from where we're broadcasting. I had a conversation with the Holy Spirit on the way in. You don't think we're going to be knocked sure off? I'm sure we'll be okay. Okay, yeah. so all right. It may get really nasty after that, but we'll make it through the Well, I've program. asked the Holy Angels to guard, <laughs> guide, and protect us, so. <laughs> We're covered then. Well, let me reiterate uh, both our interest in having you participate in our conversation here. And again, our number in the studio is 1-866-333-6279. We'd love to hear what some of your favorite texts are in the vein of Carmelite literature. We'd like to encourage you to give us your recommendations as we've received this evening. Um the uh, the topics you'd like us to cover. That's a wonderful list from, from Larry that we would love to pick up on. 
uh, we have, both Francis and I, have a fair amount of exposure to all of the folks that uh, mentioned, the, the, the saints and the blessings that were mentioned, and we certainly would love to do programs on them individually. So I, I think, Francis, we'll pick up that uh, task. Um, there are a couple on here. In fact, I have a particular devotion to and would love to spend some time talking about and we'd love to hear what other things our listeners are interested in hearing about. So much good stuff. <laughs> yeah, there is. And Carmel is so rich in, in uh, literature and, and uh, guidance and spiritual direction that it's uh, uh, easy to uh, to find uh, ways to support our desire to grow in, in uh, uh, closeness to the Lord. Let me also just share, finally, before we turn to Francis and Divine Intimacy, um, reshare, if you will, the email address for us here, and that's carmelite.conversations, with an S, conversations, at yahoo.com. And through that, you can get us uh, directly via email. And we, as I say, would love to hear from you, love to hear your suggestions, your recommendations for future programming, and anything that may be a particular interest or even concern uh, questions that may have been raised and we've received a number of those for clarification on uh, different saints and different events in the history of the order and so forth and we're happy to respond to those when we see them francis and i just might add that the carmelite word needs to be a capital c or it won't go through so carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com thank you for that clarification you're right if you don't do it perfect then uh, it doesn't come through so it's a large uh, uppercase c on carmelite all the rest are lowercase well, Francis, let's talk about divine intimacy, this uh, collection of, of texts from, give us the author. Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, who is a Carmelite priest, or friar is what we would use the term, and um, I believe he, isn't he up for canonization? He is under consideration for canonization, yes. Mm, yes. That should give you, uh, uh, listeners, an idea of the caliber of person we're talking about. Yeah, and now tell us about Divine Intimacy. Of course, this is um, a text that many Carmelites are familiar with, or if you're just uh, coming to uh, uh, familiarization with the order, with the secular order, this is a a series of texts you can buy it either in one volume or four, uh, but one I would really encourage you to, uh, to get a copy of. Um, it is uh, spaced throughout the year, follows the liturgical calendar, Francis. Yes, it does. Um, and, and tell us a little bit about what we can expect to find in the, um, um, in, in the writings uh, in Divine Intimacy. Well, what's wonderful is it's just about three or four pages on each day of the calendar year, and of course goes with the liturgical year. Now, I might add that the paperback editions separate volumes, four volumes, um, those are a little bit different than the one-volume collected edition. Um, And I can't really declare exactly what all those differences are. I just know that they're a little bit different. But Tan Books puts them out. And the the most famous one, this one-volume book, it comes in a nice leatherette uh, edition, and um, you know it. You can just follow the whole church year with it. And he starts out. He labels each one, and then he puts down, you know, um, 
what's the title so that you already have a focus of what he's going to be speaking about. And then he has this nice little quote at the very beginning. Like, for example, um, he has this one. It's titled Mary's Prayer. And since tomorrow we start May, which is also the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, mm-hmm. um, I, I just happened to turn to this one. And it says Mary's Prayer. And then it says Presence of God. And then there's a little prayer. Oh, Mary Faithful adore of God, show me how to make my life a continual prayer. So that's sort of helping you to get the focus of what's going to happen. And then he starts out with a meditation that's two or three paragraphs long. And in it, he'll make some very good philosophical, theological, and just uh, regular points and throwing in some quotes from our saints and our blesseds, or even those that are not um, Carmelite, like St. Augustine is often referred to. Um, And then he'll have a prayer section at the end. So it's sort of a great way of pulling you into prayer because it it sets the tone, it's giving you some information, some knowledge, and then it's exciting your affections, and then you get into this conversation, which is what Teresa tells us, that prayer is a mental, uh, mental prayer is a conversation with him whom we know loves us, and so... Well, and he also breaks it up into two sections, right? Uh, Now, in the paper version, which I have, that's true, and this may be one of the differences. I don't know. Is that true in the hardback version? I don't know. What's the second section? (laughs) No, no. He has two. He has a reading for the morning and a reading for the evening. Oh, now that's different. I know. So that's one of the differences. Because I happen to have the paper version, the four volume. And and it's broken up in uh, two sections, one for the morning and one for the evening. It's deliberately uh, done that way. Um, And then, of course, there are the uh, brief, uh, as you mentioned, uh, reflections from the saints, largely the Carmelite saints, although uh, there are uh, smattered throughout there a number of other um, uh, church fathers and uh, saints and so forth. And even even people who were current in his time, like like today, um, there there was beside the venerable John of Jesus Mary, there were some other uh, prayers in that last section from contemporaries of his time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's very interesting. Uh, he, I guess he started this out. He had a group of people that wanted to know about Carmelite spirituality. And so they persuaded him by, you know, Mike Kirk, you know, twisted his arm, please teach us, you know. And so he would, uh, gather these talks. And present them to them. And then I guess they gathered them all together, and then it kept going. Yeah, and I know that he um, intended it to be, uh, in addition to, of course, the Psalter, the Psalms, the Divine Office, which we are uh, asked to read each day. It's in addition to that. It is above, uh, uh, or I don't want to say above, but beyond that. Uh, but nonetheless, not so detailed that it couldn't be used for your meditative prayer, for example. Right. Now, we can often use the Divine Office reading. Certainly, if we have the uh, the four-volume of the Divine Office, there's the reading from 
uh, the church fathers, which we can draw on for meditation or draw from the divine uh, divine intimacy uh, texts for the same purpose. But very rich, very mm, broad. Very. Some of his reflections during the Easter season, during Lent, during uh, uh, the Christmas season just really um, touch the spot. I know, uh, as is true for yours, Francis. I'm looking across the table here in the <laughs> studio, and I can see all the highlights and the and the stickers no. and so forth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I have sections, um, seasonal sections throughout. Uh, the four volume that are just, you know, there's more highlighting than there is uh, <laughs> the original text, but it is that rich. I mean, some of the writings that, that he draws from uh, seem so, um, so pertinent for th- those particular times of year. And they're wonderful for meditation. Right. And also at the end is this great index. So if you want to look on a certain topic, you can check out um, that word, and then he lists all the different sections that correspond with that. So what a wonderful, rich way of learning about Carmelite spirituality and really still getting into the deepness of the prayer. Um, highly recommended. H- highly recommended for a daily devotion, right? A daily mm-hmm. devotion. Uh, in addition to the divine office, it, it, again, taking a little bit more time, but... but uh, uh, not so much that you couldn't uh, use this to transition into meditative prayer. And just give us again, uh, Francis, the author and where our listeners can uh, look for this. This particular okay. one is a TAN publication. Right. Yeah, Divine Intimacy. It's a TAN publication, and it was written by Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, OCD. And what you might do if if you're not sure that you want to get into the full uh, uh, set, uh, you might just go purchase the current season, uh, liturgical season, that volume of the four volumes, and spend a little time with it and then see whether or not. That's what I did, actually. I purchased one and mm-hmm. then I immediately, after spending a month with it, went and purchased the remaining three because I was so taken by it. But, uh, terrific book. Well, let's move on to, um, uh, my first one. I knew he was going to bring this one, so <laughs> I didn't bring it, but I knew Mark would bring this one for you tonight. No surprise. When I read this uh, book, and I'll just give you the title, it's called Learning to Pray According to Sister Elizabeth of the Trinity. Of course, today we know it's Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Soon to be saint. Soon to be saint. Maybe even Doctor of the Church. Who knows? Oh, we're hoping. <laughs> yes. And the author here is Jean LaFrance. So it's a J E A N L A F R A N C E. Jean LaFrance. Uh, Father Jean has written extensively. Um, I like on, everything he's written. <laughs> yeah, he has a wonderful collection. He was a, a diocesan priest in France. Um, he had a great devotion to Elizabeth, to St. Therese, um, to the Carmelite order, even though he himself was not a Carmelite. He's uh-huh. written books on the rosary. He's written books on the Blessed Mother. He's just a real rich, rich author. Yeah, prayer. Big, big. He's so big on prayer. So anything you read by him uh, um, will include topic. Um, on prayer. It's wonderful. Well, when I read this, I remember uh, telling the woman who I bought it from uh, that I thought uh, at the time it was probably the best book on prayer that I'd read, and that's comparing it with uh, St. John of the Cross's writings and others. In terms of its um, accessibility, its simplicity, its directness, of course, he uh, drew much of his uh, insight from Elizabeth of the Trinity, who I had a devotion to anyway, so it so wouldn't have been hard to convince me. <laughs> that's true. But he draws out just some wonderful 
uh, pieces from uh, Elizabeth in her own writings. He, he uses direct quotes from her. There's a unique aspect, though, of this book that I want to um, um, share with our, re- our, our uh, listeners, and that is you can actually find the complete text of this book online, Learning to Pray, according to Sister Elizabeth of the Trinity by Jean LaFrance, and the version that you find online is actually slightly different um, than this final published version uh, that I have uh, here. And what are the differences? Do you remember? I, I don't. They're actually uh, peppered throughout the text, so okay. uh, I'd have to go through the highlighted version of each copy. I have the book version in front of me. Uh, I say that only because if, if someone isn't um, um, ready to, or, or in a position where they can get to a, uh, a bookstore quickly, uh, you may be able to find it online and download it. It's, I think it's something like 88 pages when you download it online. Um, so, you know, you'll have to load the uh, the uh, uh, printer machine perhaps once. But the um, the version online is also excellent. In fact, I might argue in some ways it's better. It draws on some things that are not necessarily in this text. But mm-hmm. both of them are fantastic. If you want to sit at the, uh, the the feet of Elizabeth and let her instruct you on prayer, I think... This particular text does that as well as any text I've read. Now, obviously, you can read about uh, Elizabeth. You can read her letters. You can read her own uh, retreats. Uh, We've gone through her uh, life and her writings before in a previous program. You can see that on our archives. You can, and I encourage you, if you are interested in Elizabeth of the Trinity, and maybe as a backdrop prior to reading this book, you might want to go do that, listen to that particular program. There were four, if I remember uh, to get some understanding of her beforehand or even deepen your understanding. But this uh, particular text, I think, is an excellent one in terms of drawing out and making very accessible Elizabeth's teaching on prayer, specifically now on prayer. What's in the table of context? Can you give us a peek yeah. at that? Is it divided uh, up or not? Let me see. So, Sister Elizabeth's fundamental spiritual attitude the movement of silent recollection. Mm, that's the important. Chapter. Her uh, sister Elizabeth's prayer, the purifying night of trials. Those are the four major sections within the book. And this uh, movement to silent recollection, I think, is where most of my highlights are found, actually, in the text. <laughs> um, uh, Elizabeth, uh, of course, was the saint of silence. I call her a saint because uh, I'm being preemptive of the church here. But um, mm-hmm. uh, she really was, for me, the saint of silence, which she drew largely from St. John of the Cross. But nonetheless, um, it was her, uh, I think, principal virtue. And that comes out so well in this particular uh, text by Father LaFrance. So what's the next one on your list, Francis? Okay. Well, we'll have to watch our time for our breaks coming up. But this one, I think, would um, benefit anybody. It's called The Bread of Heaven, A Treasury of Carmelite Prayers and Devotions on the Eucharist. So guess when this will be most helpful is during adoration. And it is compiled by a secular member of the Discalced Carmelites, an OCDS member. Her name is Penny Hickey. H-I-C-K-E-Y. And um, it is so full of wonderful um, 
uh, reflections. And what she does is she divides this up by the saint or blessed of Carmel. So you can actually go and find out what does um, St. Margaret Reddy of the Sacred Heart have to say on the Eucharist, or what does John of the Cross have to say, or uh, Blessed Titus Bransma, or several more, uh, probably some of our lesser-known Carmelite saints and blessed are in here, and so that makes it even more interesting. But it is about mm, almost 200 pages long, and there's a great bibliography at the end, so um, this I have to highly recommend as a very rich uh, text of Eucharistic prayers, meditations, poems, and writers throughout Carmelite history. And did you mention the uh, p- publisher here? No, I didn't. It's Christian Classics, and they're at www.christian-classics.com. And again, I think this one's probably available in any of the major uh, Catholic bookstores, maybe even some of the mainline bookstores, but certainly any of the uh, Catholic bookstores. Uh, across the country, I, I typically see this text very popular uh, for guided prayer, specifically focused on the Eucharist. Right, and this is an ideal prayer resource for well, all of us. Well, let's see, Francis. We have a dozen books to cover, and we've done three, <laughs> and now we're ready for a break. So we uh, better hurry up we'll, on the next half hour. Yeah, we'll pick up the pace a little bit, but you can understand our appreciation for these wonderful texts. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back um, and and go through the balance of our lists. And again, as I say, we're certainly open to to continuing this conversation. Uh, with these and other texts. Again, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.
Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. This uh, particular program, Francis and I are covering our lists, uh, a limited list, albeit, but nonetheless, a, a selection of our favorite Carmelite texts or associated Carmelite texts. Uh, Francis, I'm going to take a little uh, turn away from that uh, with this next selection because um, uh, there is a linkage to Carmelite, and I'll make that linkage. But uh, we're just covering a series of texts that, for us, have been particularly special in guiding both our our understanding of Carmel, our prayer life, um, our ability, I think, to uh, to understand how the Lord has worked in Carmel and and uh, how He's brought about such a wonderful a contribution through this particular order. Certainly uh, many orders have, have made a significant contribution to the church, but in the area of prayer, of contemplative prayer especially, uh, we think Gar- uh, Carmel has been gifted in a special way to carry that message, and uh, much of the literature we're drawing from this evening is indicative of that. Right, because Carmel is known as the school of prayer, and St. Teresa of Avila is known as the doctor of prayer. That's correct, and and so... Uh, my next text actually goes to that very point. Now, the title is Treaties on Prayer and Meditation. I so almost brought this. <laughs> <laughs> that's fairly cut and dry, a Treaties on Prayer and Meditation, but the author is not a Carmelite. His name is St. Peter of Alcantara, and I'll have to confess that one of the reasons I like this book is I just like saying the word Alcantara. <laughs> <laughs> you got but, a Spanish Spanish fling in the background yes, exactly. here. <laughs> I kick up my right heel when I say that. Um, Flamingo. <laughs> but um, what's interesting about this, well, I'm going to, uh, I, I don't think I'm testing you, Francis, by asking you Oh, please you this. don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, who did uh, Peter of Alcantara serve as a uh, spiritual advisor to? Oh, to the La Madre, St. <laughs> Teresa of Avila. Correct. Yes, they were contemporaries, which makes it even more important for us to know about him. Yeah. Uh, from the back of the text, actually, St. Peter of Alcantara, a 16th century Spaniard and a spiritual director of St. Teresa of Avila, the great doctor of prayer, as Francis just shared with us. So Teresa learned a great deal from uh, Peter of Alcantara, specifically uh, with regard to her prayer life and things that uh, many other spiritual advisors, unfortunately, well, I won't say many, but some other spiritual advisors who she had sought the advice of had given her bad guidance and bad direction. And I won't go through the history. We've actually covered some of this in Teresa's life, how she uh, came to um, meet uh, Peter of Alcantara and spend time with him. Peter of Alcantara, St. Peter of Alcantara, was an amazing man who spent many, many hours in prayer, uh, minimal uh, sleep, uh, a great deal of fasting. Rigors, uh, rigors of mortification. Yes, yes he was a master rigorous. of it. <laughs> um, and he argues, in fact, that this contributed significantly to the insights that he was granted in his spiritual life. He, he takes none of the credit himself, of course. But this particular text um, is very rich in laying out both a method of prayer uh, and a series of meditations for the various days of the week, as well as giving a whole um, a selection of counsels on prayer, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what our mindset ought to be, and uh, what, what thoughts we should avoid. It's very rich in that regard. Now, I will confess that some of the language is a little harder to um, to come to grips with. He, he speaks, uh, obviously it's a translation, but even uh, this translation is written with a somewhat richer language, uh, and so it's a little bit less approachable than some of the others that I've mentioned, but um, 
I highly recommend it if you're looking for a very solid, very uh, well-written uh, um, orthodox treatise on prayer and meditation. I don't think you can do much better than that person who was um, the spiritual director on prayer for St. Teresa of Alvila, and that's St. Peter of Alcantara. And again, the book is called A Treatise on Prayer and Meditation. Uh, just a wonderful text. And, and the last point I'll make about this is, Francis, we're both familiar with the little catechism of prayer written by, and Francis is reaching for it now. I thought you'd actually just go back to divine intimacy and, and Saint, grab the... T- St. Gabriel of Mary Magdalene, yes, OCD. Right. Yes, that's another great one, little catechism on prayer. Right, little catechism on the life of prayer. And this yes, the actually, life of prayer. That's a, a good thing to denote there. Yeah, th- this is actually very inexpensive. I think you can acquire these for 3 or $4. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually is a summation of St. Peter of Alcantara's methodology that he imparted to Teresa of Avila, that little book. Uh, say that again. Yes, it's called Little Catechism of the Life of Prayer, and it's by Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, OCD. And you can get it at the Carmel of Maria Regina in Eugene, Oregon. And if you want to find it, I would suggest going to www.ourgardenofcarmel.org, which was one of my favorite websites anyway. Now, is that available at ICS also? No, not that I'm knowledge. No, no, it's not an ICS publication. It is put out by that um, particularly Carmel. Um, the Carmel of Maria Regina in Eugene, Oregon. Okay. And I will say this. If if we pass over too quickly any of the uh, publishers or titles and you uh, are interested in something particular, uh, please send us a uh, an email. We'd be happy to respond and give you the details. And I can post it on Facebook. Yes, let's do that. Let's make sure we get it posted so that people can uh, go there and access it as well. I will say, last thing on Treaties of Prayer and Meditation by Peter of Alcantara, that is a TAN publication. Publication, T-A-N, right. T-A-N publication. And another thing about St. Peter uh, is that um, Teresa of Avila, in her one, one of her books, I don't know which one off the top of my head, but she has visions of St. Peter of Alcantara after his death. Right. And what a glorious state of bliss that he is in because of his great mortification. Penances, right. Penances, he says, yeah. because of my, my penances, this is... Um, you know, this is the, the, the state that I'm enjoying. And so um, if you want some familiarization on the value and the virtue of penance, uh, again, I think uh, St. Peter of Alcantara is a great source for that. Francis, this next title you have in front of you, I have to confess, is one I have not read. So oh. You've told me about it, but I've not read it. So this is going to be news for me. So please tell us what All right. do you have next. This is one of my favorites because I um, was very attracted to St. Teresa of Avila through her classic, um, written at the end of her life, The Interior Castle. And this one is a contemporary journey through the interior castle of St. Teresa of Avila, and it's called From Ash to Fire, an Odyssey in Prayer. Again, that's From Ash to Fire, an Odyssey in Prayer by Carolyn Humphreys. And I just love this book. Um... 
she actually is going to go from the very beginning of the interior castle, starting with the first mansion and going up through the seventh. But what she does is she puts a contemporary uh, uh, interpretation on it, and she adds to it uh, a very psychological approach in her commentary. It's full of solid insight, keen intuition, and wise counsels for us today on this spiritual journey. Uh, one of the things I got a real kick of out of is when she talks about the third mansion. I'll give you an example here. She talks about the kind of people uh, that are there. In fact, she calls this mansion the uh, mansion of the exemplary life or the great divide because here you find the settlers of the pioneers the people who are settling and going to be stuck in the third mansion versus the pioneers who are going to charge forward and she has like this is the palace of the perfect people or there may be um the courtyards of complacency uh, and people who are busy, busy, busy. There's the palace of predictability. So it gives you a sense of what we're talking about. Chronic complainers, weeping willows. And um, anyway, so she uh, highlights what's most important in each of these mansions. And she really puts it to uh, our lives today. And, and how you would identify yourself in it and how you can move on uh, as per Teresa's uh, counsel. So um, I keep coming back to this one, and when I do some classes, I um, often come to this. Now, Carolyn Humphreys, the author, is a secular discalced Carmelite, and she's also a registered occupational therapist. And um, last I knew, she uh, served her community in Long Beach and this is a New City Press New York publication but again from Ash to Fire an Odyssey in Prayer one of my most favorite texts on uh, the interior castle and I see Mark also brought one uh, commentary on the tier- interior castle well, I'm, I'm going to have to read that one because you're ahead of me I know you've actually read this yes, one the one I have. I'm going to offer next and it's in a similar vein Uh, to the one that Francis just spoke about. This one is called Towards Mystical Union. Towards Mystical Union. It's a St. Paul's uh, publication, uh, St. Paul's Media publication. And the author is Julian McLean. Julian McLean. Mrs. McLean is actually a uh, practicing psychologist and also... Uh, a spiritual retreat leader, spiritual director in the Christian contemplative tradition. Now, she draws exclusively on the teachings of Carmel, most especially uh, on um, uh, Teresa's interior castle, again. Again. <clears throat> but she presents it in, in a somewhat different uh, light than the previous text. She uh, looks at this almost exclusively through the development of the psychology of the person, of personhood, and developing as mature, uh, psychologically mature as well as spiritually mature individuals. And she correlates Teresa's seven uh, interior castles to this psychological development, how we go about healing ourselves of, of the interior. But don't be too worried. It, it is not hard to read. It's not hard to digest. It's it's very readable because sometimes uh, these 
types of people are so intellectually bright that it's hard for them to write down to our level. But uh, I found her to be very readable. I, I agree. I couldn't um, uh, agree more, actually, about that fact, because I, was, I wasn't at all concerned personally about whether I would be um, put off by the language. I had done a fair amount of uh, review of the book. Uh, but I went through it in detail, and much like your books, mine are uh, richly highlighted. Uh, and I found this very approachable, um, very well balanced in terms of uh, uh, the um, a correlation, as I say, between the psychological and the spiritual. I just want to read one uh, brief sentence here from the middle part of the book, which I think actually is somewhat indicative of the book itself. And she says, our will is being united with God's will for our life. What does this really mean? Teresa explains that our human will and understanding relate to our material being, our life in the flesh. And so she goes on to explain, how does this union occur? We're being united with the will of God. How is that occurring? And how does that manifest itself in behavior, in thought patterns, in actions uh, uh, that we engage in throughout the course of the day and our reactions to the things that happen to us? Um, what you might expect to find in any sort of modern pop psychology uh, text, but she correlates it to the uh, stages of the interior castle from Teresa's uh, famous work. So I think it's an excellent text. It, it, it is, as Francis says, certainly an approachable text, very understandable, um, and very good in terms of, I think, helping us understand how modern-day problems, modern-day challenges are absolutely addressed uh, in these uh, mystical texts uh, and spiritual texts from our great Carmelite saints. So Towards Mystical Union, Julian McLean, M-C, capital L-E-A-N, Julian McLean. And again, that's a St. Paul's Media publication. Yes, and I think both of these texts um, uh, are important to read, but I would suggest for myself, I would recommend to read Teresa's text first. Absolutely. Yeah, we should stress that. That's a very good point. If we're talking about any of the commentaries, I said it earlier with regard to Elizabeth of the Trinity and uh, Father LaFrance's uh, uh, commentary on Elizabeth's prayer life, I would certainly read Elizabeth's texts first uh, so that you have that understanding, that grounding. These are not preliminary to the principal texts that we've been te teaching and speaking about on this program uh, for a number of months now. L let me just uh, reiterate, if I can, the um, uh, desire that we have to have you participate in our conversation uh, and, and perhaps share your own favorite texts uh, from Karma. We're, we're not limited to the list that we're working through here. If others have uh, titles they'd like to share, uh, that number is one eight six six three 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 six two seven nine. And again, just a reminder, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Now, Francis, I noticed you have a novel that you're going to recommend for the next text. Yes, this is a historical novel about St. John of the Cross, and I thought it would be good to throw something that was um, more lighthearted. Um, and this is an, a fictional account, but based on the history, so you will learn a lot about the life of St. John of the Cross through it. It's called Fire of Love. How appropriate for St. John of the Cross, right? Um, Fire of Love, a historical novel about St. John of the Cross. It's an Ignatius a publication, and I probably butchered this author's name. I'm sorry, but I'll try. Jose Luis Olazola. I'll spell the last name O L A I 
Z-O-L-A. And I started this, and it, it's very fascinating. And I really, really like the beginning. He points out some things that I had not picked up in my studying of St. John of the Cross's works. So I think that this will be uh, an eye-opener in some ways for any of our readers who want to read it, who especially already know John of the Cross. So I think this will be very entertaining. But if you're wanting to get an idea of the great love and humility and gentleness uh, as opposed to the reputation he has of being harsh <laughs> uh, because of his dark nights uh, which I mean he, he wrote a lot about the dark night but um, what a gentle man uh, this will help give you an idea of the of the heart of love of St. John of the Cross so again fire of love good Christian uh, fiction writers have a way of bringing out the personality of some of the characters. It doesn't have to necessarily be an historical novel. Of course, there are great um, uh, fictional characters um, uh, in the tradition of Christian literature that, that we could relate to, but uh, very good uh, Christian fiction writers do have this capacity for drawing on uh, historical figures and bringing them to life, so to speak. Much has been written about Teresa of Avila. Of course, she's a fascinating character. So much has been written about Therese of Lisieux. Of course, uh, John of the Cross in this particular case. The one thing I would caution, though, Francis, and perhaps we should have said this earlier, um, there is a lot out there. And, yes. and in fairness, not all of it is good. Yes. Even if it says it's in the in the vein of mystical literature, that may in fact be a, a, a risk. Or even if it says St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross, or we've got to watch. Or if it relates to, uh, you and I have reviewed some books that we thought, no, mm-hmm. actually this is this is not what they taught, and, and we've recommended people steer away from them. So what's your, your safety latch? Uh, first, uh, asking a priest or asking someone with good spiritual guidance um, and, and background, perhaps, in these individual saints. But also, I think it's fair to say there is a short list of publishing houses that we feel confident with, that you and I both have uh, worked with considerably, and we know uh, and are confident that um, the, the works that we're getting from these are um, are going to be in, in concert with the teachings of the church. The first and most important for us would be ICS Publications, right. which the is Institute the Institute of Carmelite Studies. Yes. No question, There's uh, you're not going to find anything from ICS that's questionable. I certainly never have. Right. Um, the second, I think, uh, safely is Ignatius, Ignatius Press, a terrific publisher. Um, now, there there may be um, some, uh, we're talking about what's in the vein of Carmelite literature. We can't speak to what may be in some of the other areas, but certainly what we've read from Ignatius Press in the vein of Carmelite literature uh, is perfectly uh, consistent and in concert with the Church's teaching. I think TAN, uh, again, T-A-N, mm-hmm. uh, you won't find uh, anything from TAN that's uh, drifting too far afield from uh, anything in the in the Church, what the Church is teaching. Um, St. Paul's Press. Now, St. Paul's Press, again, I can only speak for that, which I've seen in the vein of a Carmelite, uh, some of the mystical literature, um, uh, I feel confident with there may be other areas, uh, and again, I can't speak to that. Uh, but what I've read from St. Paul's uh, Press and St. Paul's Media um, has been has been um, uh, orthodox, has been consistent with the Church's teaching, and is what those uh, uh, authors, those great saints uh, themselves taught. The Newman Press, I think the Newman Press, some of the older texts from the Newman Press um, are, are perfectly appropriate. So uh, that's not all of it, but I would recommend. Um, Certainly, 
looking at those publishing houses and, and um, the, the um, authors and, and the saints that we're talking about, those who've written about these saints, uh, I think you'll find within those houses much of the, the good literature. But a caution, there, there are some that will use the names of these saints and then take you off on a mystical uh, tour <laughs> that is anything but mystical theology. Right. So the next book, uh, I'm going to do another one here. It's called Holy Daring. Of course, I had to bring something on Therese because she's one of my favorites. It's about the fearless trust of St. Therese of Lisieux. Um, Holy Daring by John I think you say Udris. Udris. U D R I S. And this is a um, Pauline Books and Media. And oh, this is a very fascinating book. I am so thrilled I got the opportunity to read it. It's very readable. It's only about 100 pages, but it will change you. Yeah. It, that's my idea that it will change you because it talks about. Um, Therese, in holy boldness, uh, holy daring, um, that it's just amazing. I just uh, uh, really began to appreciate Therese's holy daring after reading this book. And because I read it, then when I went back and read Therese's story of a soul, I could read it with different eyes on. And so I totally recommend that uh, you read this. Uh, it's a wonderful work. It's scholarly written. It gives us this great essence of Therese's uh, filial daring as a daughter of the king <laughs> and how um, you know, she was on such positive, familiar terms with God. It's very impressive and uh, it's very readable over and over. And it's the aim of this book is to offer everyone the opportunity to encounter Therese and to help you gain in your confidence of God's merciful love. Well, great. Uh, we've still got a few minutes, and we won't uh, maybe make it through the list, but we'll uh, add a couple <laughs> more here. Uh, I'd like to advocate uh, a title by another Carmelite uh, priest, and the title is Awakening to prayer, and like you, I'm going to struggle, Francis, with this particular one. Um, it's Father Augustine Ichiro Okumura. Augustine Ichiro Okumura. And the spell title, it, spell it. Ah, Augustine. No, I'm not going to spell it. I C H I R O Ichiro. Okumura is O K U M U R A. I think I'm close on that. Uh, anyway, the title is Awakening to Prayer. This is an ICS publication, so it wouldn't be difficult to find. This is, a, again, a terrific text on prayer. Uh, now, obviously, um, uh, Father Okamura is Japanese, and he uh, draws on that very rich tradition in prayer, uh, so he gives a somewhat different perspective, but it's all uh, Carmelite. And again, I just want to read one sentence from him, and then I'll... Uh, say something about that. He says, Indeed, for a prayer life to grow in which prayer is truly the source of God's strength in us, the body itself must become prayer. And this is very consistent with uh, Brother Lawrence uh, of the Resurrection, who we've done a series on. And Brother Lawrence talks about 
a, a becoming prayer, and in fact, somebody refers to him as having been prayerified. His his very life, his very body, his very being was prayerified. Uh, Father um, Okamura does a wonderful job, I think, of bringing out both the Carmelite tradition uh, and and blending it with some other traditions in prayer. Uh, and I think does uh, uh, does a great service to uh, helping us understand contemplative prayer. It's a very short text, again, available through uh, ICS. It's less than 100 pages, and I can highly recommend that one. Now, I want to say, too, Francis, we're not recommending anything here that we haven't read ourselves. Right. I've seen you flip through uh, yours. Uh, I noticed the number of highlights, everything I'm referring to, of course, I've read in detail and highlighted and uh, have come to find uh, these texts to be a very rich source of my own uh, spiritual uh, growth. So uh, cer- certainly wouldn't hesitate to recommend them. I think you should go next because okay. that is one we definitely want to put be- on air before tonight. We run ar- uh, or before we run out of time, um, again, Frances probably would have brought this on her own, but she had no doubt I'd bring it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, this one's a little difficult to find, but I'll tell you, if you can find it, it, it is simply one of the greatest texts in, in uh, the spiritual vein of literature you'll find it's titled simply the spiritual doctrine of sister elizabeth of the trinity it's by father philippon who actually was a a dominican uh who wrote uh, a a couple of different texts on um carmelite saints he had uh, first a great devotion to elizabeth also a great devotion to therese and uh, this is one I found. You'll find it in used books sections, uh, both online as well as in used bookstores. But uh, the spiritual doctrine of Sister Elizabeth of the Trinity, um, again, probably one of the best texts on prayer uh, that I found anywhere. What's it, a, tell them what's in the contents. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let me do that again. Um, let's see. Spiritual journey. Uh, the ascesis of silence, no surprise with Elizabeth, the indwelling of the Blessed Trinity. Uh, that's what Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, of course, was most known for. Uh, the praise of glory, her phrase about herself, conformity to Christ. Sister Elizabeth of the Trinity and the souls of priests, her devotion to priests, gifts of the Holy Spirit, prayer to the Trinity, uh, and her mission. Those are the, the, the principal titles within the uh, table of contents. So just a wonderful text. Uh, spiritual doctrine of Sister Elizabeth of the Trinity. Well, Francis, I noticed that we both have one left, and we're going to keep those as a secret. Uh, you can either write us if you want us to tell you online, or we'll do those in a future program when we cover additional texts. Next week, we'll be picking up on the devotion to the Holy Face, and we'll do two uh, more weeks on that because the, it's a, a rich a vein that we want to try to mine for uh, spiritual growth, the devotion to the Holy Face. Uh, but in closing, Francis, uh, would you please lead us in prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Divine Spirit, I beg you with confidence to illumine me. Reveal to me the divine greatness and the divine mysteries, so that I may adore and acknowledge them. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us for Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. God bless.